This podcast may contain language and subject matter that some people could find offensive. Please do not listen to this podcast if easily offended. Otherwise, enjoy the show. And a massive welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. First off, Happy New Year. We hope you're happy, healthy and well and are ready for another year of Falling Star Wrestling and of course the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for all the support you gave us in 2022. We can't wait to get bigger and better in 2023. If this is the first time you're hearing us, welcome along. I'm your show host. My name is Patrick Vincent Crown, a.k.a. PVC, and I'm one half of the Falling Star Wrestling podcast and one half of the tag team, The Disaster Artist. On the other side of both of those things is my good friend and the man that's always there for the hot tag. It's Jimmy Starr. Falling Star Wrestling had an amazing year in 2022, but this podcast isn't to look back over our shoulders and discuss what was... This podcast is to chat about what will be. What does the year ahead hold for Falling Star Wrestling? Jimmy and I run through some potential storylines moving forward with a high level of speculation. We also chat about a few key players running into the new year. Names such as Tommy Lawrence, Sean Stone, Jack Landers and even The Sound. Speaking of Tommy Lawrence, it's official. Ollie Cole will get his chance at revenge as he takes on Lawrence. One-on-one competition at our very first show of the year. New year, new spear. We also have some more dates booked for January and February, but we'll tell you all about those as soon as Jimmy jumps on the line. All right, let's get down to business. We're talking Falling Star Wrestling in 2023. 2022 has come and gone and what a year it was for Falling Star Wrestling. There were some lows, but there was also some massive highs. But as much as we'd like to go over that all again, I think we've covered it to death. So let's not look backwards. Let's look forwards to what Falling Star Wrestling is hoping to accomplish in 2023. We're coming out the block with back-to-back shows in January. We've got New Year, New Spear event taking place at the Westland Sports and Social Club on the 14th of January. And then the week after, we're making our long-awaited return turn to the Ripper Hall in docking. There's rich history with Falling Star Wrestling in both of those halls and with these shows being at the start of the year they're really going to set the pace for the rest of the year. I'm joined by Jimmy Starr as always. Jimmy how you doing? Happy New Year fella. Yeah happy New Year to you and happy New Year to any other listeners out there. I hope it's a very prosperous and yeah and positive year for everyone out there. Yeah we're coming out the gates pretty strong there as you can see Shawnee. We've got quite a lot going on Obviously, we'll break it down as the podcast goes along. But I said in 2022, I stood in that ring with a microphone in my hand and I said that 2023 will be Falling Star Wrestling's year. Aside from January and February, obviously already being sorted, I'm in the midst of booking other shows from bigger venues that are a bit further away. And I want to get Falling Star Wrestling out there. It's We're too good to be contained in one area. Our shows are too good just to be just to be contained within sort of the West Norfolk and those sorts of areas. We need to broaden our horizons, and I think that's really what 2023 is about for Falling Star Wrestling: getting out there, getting new fans, and getting people to see the product, which I know. I know for a fact is a fantastic product. 
We've been doing some amazing shows over the past year or so, and it's only going to get better, and we're only going to grow and get stronger. And for those out there with your diaries in hand, that's the 14th of January at the Westland Sports and Social Club, the 21st of January, the Ripper Hall in Docking. Then in February, as Jimmy alluded to there, we're back at the Westland Sports and Social Club on the 25th of February. And then two weeks before that, we're going to go back to Swanton Morley at the Swanton Morley Village Hall on Saturday, 11th of February. So, Jim... Heading into our first show of 2023, Saturday, 14th of January, Westland Sports and Social Club. What do we hope to achieve from that show? Well, obviously, we want it packed. We want it full. We want it absolutely roaring. But January can be quite a depressing month for some people. You know, Christmas is finished. All the festivities are over. All the presents have been opened and it's cold and the nights are dark. And yeah, it's just January. It's normally a shit month. So I want what we want to achieve is in January on that show in Westland. Obviously, it's our first show of the year. So we want to come out of those curtains with an absolute bang. So, for example, storyline-wise, we left it last year. Tommy Lawrence, what's happening to him? Why has he done what he's done to Ollie? And what is Ollie? <coughs> excuse me. What is Ollie going to do in return? Is he going to retaliate? There's questions to be answered there. There's the sound. They still had the tag team titles. No one can seem to take it off of them. They're slippery bastards, and they keep managing to get the win every time. What's going to happen with them? What's going to happen with us? We haven't won the tag team titles yet. We need to get our hands on them. We're good enough. We're experienced enough. But we just can't seem to be at that right place at that right time to be able to snatch those belts. Cali Gray as well as a champ. He's an absolutely amazing champ. Who's he going to wrestle with? What's going to happen there? There's so much to go on there. Then also there was that little deal with Shane, Samuel Bloody Wakefield and the NLP. What's going on there? There's a, a lot of questions to be answered. And I think at West Lynn, I think we'll, we'll probably get an answer maybe to a few of them. We like the show element of it, the story element of it. And the stories have got to carry on throughout the year. So we'll give you a little bits and bobs at every time. But I think the main thing that this West Lynn needs to achieve is to, yeah, just to get everyone rip-roaring and excited for a year of falling star wrestling action. Every year we seem to get better, and that's due to a lot of things. One thing that we need is the fans there. I just want people to come there, have a great time, forget it's January, forget it's cold outside, forget it's fucking miserable, and fucking get in there and absolutely have a blast. That's what I hope to achieve, and I'm sure we will achieve it. We know what we're doing. We're experienced enough. We're all ready to go. All the wrestlers will be ready to get in that ring. I'm sure they'll be absolutely, I'm sure they won't be able to wait. I'm sure they're eager to get in there and show what they can do. But yeah, there's a lot going on there. And one thing that I'm exceptionally interested in hearing is why Tommy Lawrence did what he did. I mean, that was just a total blast out of nowhere. And I don't know about you, PVC. It'd be cool to have some answers about that one. I think that was a question on a lot of people's minds after he did what he did. I expected there to be a bit more of a raucous environment when Tommy turned on Ollie at the end of that Christmas bash match at the Christmas show a couple weeks back. But I think it was more just 
People were stunned. They were shocked. They just didn't know how to react. They didn't boo. They just kind of watched this brutality in the middle of the ring. And I've watched the video back and Tommy just wallops him and then he wallops him again and then he wallops him again. And then people are trying to get in to help Ollie, to help their friend get up. But Tommy's just commanding this ring and he's walloping him again and he's just absolutely brutalizing him in the middle of the ring. And then you think he's just had enough with him and then he lifts him up and slams him back down to the canvas again, starts wailing on him one more time and it's just what on earth is Tommy doing here? You know, we've seen heel turns before. Sometimes it might just be the odd chair shot or it might be a clothesline and the person stands in the middle of the ring. I think Tommy, it just seemed like he had all of this pent-up aggression anger, frustration, all just pent up inside him. And I don't know whether that's because he's felt overlooked in Falling Star Wrestling, whether he sees Ollie making waves in Falling Star Wrestling and, and there's some sort of jealousy in there. I don't know whether he's seen his friends like Callie Gray go to the top of Falling Star Wrestling, whereas he's opening shows and getting put in these other little matches and maybe not getting the outcome that he would like. Maybe it's all of this frustration that's just pent up inside of him and he's seen his target there, somebody that's less experienced, somebody that's smaller than him, somebody that he can, I guess, just bully and he chose Ollie Cole as his victim and he just took it to him in the middle of the ring at that Christmas show and people are going to want answers. I want answers, I'm sure you want answers, but the person that is really grasping for those answers is got to be Ollie Cole and I don't know how they're going to handle that, but I'm sure you're going to have to do something. We're going to speak to the commissioner to see whether he's going to put something out there because we need to know why Tommy did what Tommy did. Do you have any kind of insight on this at all, Jim? Well, you know, I mean, like you said, when you know when we get a heel turn or whatever, someone, some, someone turn, t- turning bad. It's normally a lot simpler. It's like you say, it's the chair shot or the clothesline or the slam or the slap out of nowhere, and it's just that sort of one thing, and then that person storms off or maybe cuts a promo on the mic. But it really seemed like Tommy was making a statement by bashing up Ollie. It was almost like. He, it was. I don't think it even necessarily was the fact that it was Ollie. I don't think he despises Ollie. I don't think he looks at Ollie and thinks, I fucking hate you. Do you know what I mean? I think it's more like, you're right. I think you, what you said largely, Sean, he was right. It's like, I'm one of the best wrestlers in Fallen Star Wrestling. I'm one of the most popular. I look great. And I'm being put in opening matches. I'm being fucking told to lose. And I think I'm better than what I am. And if I'm going to make any kind of rise in Fallen Star Wrestling, I have to take the ball by the horns and make a statement. And I think that beating Ollie Cole took, it was a shame that it was Ollie who took it because he's a good dude and he's young and he's learning and he doesn't deserve it. But maybe Tommy did it to, as I said, to make that statement. So, and he's definitely got him noticed. And I think Ollie, knowing Ollie, he is obviously fairly inexperienced when it comes to when it comes to professional wrestling, and especially he's less experienced than Tommy. But I think he has got the balls to try and fight Tommy and face him. I don't think Ollie's just going to take this line down. So, if they do have a match, and there is a match upcoming very soon. It'll be a hugely interesting one to watch. It'll be interesting to see how A, how Ollie gets on, but B, was this from Tommy, was this just a statement to say, look at what I can do. I can fuck someone up so easily like this. Or was it a statement to the crowd to say, I'm a different person now? I don't quite know what he's thinking. I don't know if it was just a statement to get noticed or whether it was a statement to say, I've changed. I think it's probably the latter. 
I don't think we're going to see a particularly nice Tommy Lawrence from now on. I think he's going to be a bad guy. And and to be honest with you, to be honest with you, if you're looking at it from a from an actual rep wrestling point of view, it's a smart move. I mean, as a bad guy, you know, he separates himself from the pack. As a good guy, he's Jack Hammy, you know? They look so similar. They almost look like twins. And they wrestle so similar. But Jack's just got that slight edge on him. So what are you going to do? Are you going to fucking go around and be the second Jack Hammer of Fallen Star Wrestling? Or are you going to make a statement and start fucking going out there and getting involved in some decent storylines and facing some decent baby faces and now potentially having a shot at the FSW Heavyweight Championship? I mean, it depends how many wins he gets and depends how many people he mows through. But if he's got that kind of aggression in him and he keeps it inside of him, then I don't think too many people stand a chance because, you know, Tommy is a tough bastard. I mean, fucking size of him and he's a big dude. While I tend to agree with everything you've said there, Jim, I actually do think that Tommy did make it personal with Ollie. I think just the way that he attacked him in the middle of the ring, I think it's one of those things where Ollie's been floating between these two different tag teams. He's been a part of the Robbie Cole train. He's been part of this tag team with Tommy Lawrence. And I think Tommy saw his opportunity and he wanted to make a statement. I 100% agree with him making a statement and he definitely did. People are talking about him now. We're talking about him now. He's getting more coverage on the Falling Star Wrestling Facebook page. People are thinking about what they're going to do with this kind of more aggressive, more vicious Tommy Lawrence. But I think he picked his point with Ollie Cole because... He cost Ollie, I'm talking about, Ollie cost Tommy that match. I think Tommy knew that he could possibly become the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Champion in that Christmas bash match. And it was all down to Ollie basically passing out with this camel clutch with the assisted cane from Bobby Adams there. And I think Tommy was, I've seen the footage, and Tommy was trying, he was grasping to get into the ring. And I think Tommy knew that if he managed to get into that ring, he could have stopped that if it wasn't for Ollie Cole being the weaker person. And again, we're looking at people who are very similar. You could throw Ollie Cole in there. Ollie's got this sort of athletic disposition to him. He likes to do the flips and the kicks and stuff. And maybe Tommy's looking at Ollie thinking, boy, you're getting all this exposure and I'm getting nothing over here. Who are you? You've been wrestling six months and people love the hell out of you. I'm going to make a point of you. You're not going to copy me doing my flips, doing my twists, doing my turns, doing my kicks. I'm going to take it out on you. And nobody going to talk about me being the other Ollie Cole. They're not going to talk about me being the other Jack Landers. They're going to talk about me being the one, the only Tommy Lawrence, because that's what I am. I can do the flips. I can do the kicks, but look what else I can do. I can beat and brutalize you in the middle of the ring, sunshine. If you're going to step to me like that, if you're going to cost me matches, if you're going to be like that, I'm going to be like this. And I think it's a, it's a really exciting way for Tommy, at least, to kick off this year. And if I'm honest, I don't really want to face that type of Tommy in the middle of the ring because I just know how dangerous he is, whether it's his fists, his elbows, his strikes, and even with those high-flying manoeuvres as well, he's going to come off the top rope, you're not going to expect it, he's going to slam on top of your head, and then he's just going to beat the crap out of you and leave you wasted in the middle of the ring. And that's a Tommy Lawrence that I don't want to face in the middle of the ring. Do you, Jim? No, not really. I mean, if you think about it, this is the thing, especially when you're young and hungry like Tommy is, and this is the same for every wrestler, really. When you've been wrestling for a long time, you get a little bit, I don't know, not bored because you still love it and you still do it. But you know who you are. You know your shtick. You know your routine. You know what you're best at doing. You become a little bit lackadaisical. But it doesn't mean you're less of a wrestler. I mean, look at someone like Dark Wolf. He knows what he is. He knows who he is. And he fights harder than most guys 
10 years younger than him. When you're at Tommy's stage of his career, and you probably felt it too, there is an anger and a rage, and there is something inside of you that pushes you to go that extra mile. And it can come out as aggressions, or it's something that can come out, or it can come out in baby face, good guy fire, or, or a, a, a total change of character, you know, like Clarence or something like that. Or it can come out as it can come out as whatever. There's something in there that sort of almost says subliminally, "I want attention. I need attention. People need to look at me now because I'm so fucking good, and people need to realise it because I'm the only one who's realised it now." And I need the world to realise this. And that big change of character, that might have been what happened to Tommy. You know, when you're three, four, five, six years in the business, there's that fire in there. And it's, look at me, fucking look at me because I'm good. I'm really good. And you need to start paying attention. So, yeah, I mean, I think just Tommy's got to that stage in his career where maybe he's found out or comfortable to show who he truly is. Maybe the Tommy Lawrence that we've been seeing has been desperate for attention for being a good guy, but actually maybe he's not that guy at all and we're seeing the real Tommy Lawrence. We just don't know. And this is what's so fucking exciting about 2023. Even just that one little storyline there, that just that one little train of events and just that one wrestler, what's going to happen? It's really exciting. It's good. I mean, you spoke there about being young in your career and nobody gets into wrestling to go out there and be overlooked. Nobody wants to be overlooked. You become a wrestler to be that larger than life character, to go out there, to entertain, to thrill, to annoy, to do whatever it is you want to do as your character. But the worst thing to do is to be overlooked. It doesn't matter if you go out there and people boo or people cheer, you're getting a reaction. But if you go out there and they give you nothing, that's the worst thing in the world. So Tommy, I assume he's probably got sick of that. And then he's turned around and said, okay, we're going to reset now. 2023 is on its way. It's a new year. It's a new start. It's a new Tommy Lawrence. And I think a lot of wrestlers will probably think that way heading into 2023 because the new year is a good way to cap off the old year. Think about your accomplishments from 2022, what you managed to do, how many wins you got, how many losses you had, what kind of progression you've made in your Falling Star Wrestling career, how you've connected with the fans, how you've increased your cardio, your physique or anything like that. But then when 2023 comes along, it's like there's a new chapter, there's a new start and the possibilities are almost endless because we've got now almost 365 days to improve our standing from where we are now to where we want to be at the end of 2023. And I would like, and I'm sure every other wrestler on the Falling Star Wrestling roster would like to think that on the 31st of December, 2023, you know, almost 365 days from now, we want to say we are at least one level above, but Somebody like Tommy, he could be four, five, six levels above, but maybe he just hasn't got that now or then, but he has it now because he's taking that ball by the horns and he's forcing himself onto us, onto the fans, onto the commissioner, onto all of the other wrestlers. And that's maybe what he needed two years ago. But now he's thinking, now's my time. It's the Tommy Lawrence time. And I can imagine a few people from the Falling Star Wrestling roster, especially the guys from the Academy as well, they're going to step up to the plate because you can't just wallow around in the mid-card or the lower mid-card forever and just do as you're told and say, yes, sir, thank you. I'm going to go out there and get pinned or whatever. Sometimes you need to say, actually, I'm not going to do that. I need to take a step forward and this is who I am and this is what I can be. Just let me go out there and show you what I can do. Jim, I guess my question is, who do you think that breakout star could be in 2023 in the FSW roster? 
Well, I mean, it could be anyone, couldn't it? I think someone, uh, as much as he's a prick, I think the duo of Sean Stone and Samuel Bloody Wakefield, if Sean can get his aggression up a little bit, I think that he could be something special. I think that his breakout needs to be fucking, he needs to be go wild on people. Because he's got Sam there, he's got a backup. And Sam's an arrogant arsehole. No one likes him. No one, everyone fucking hates him. He's just totally unlikable to look at, totally unlikable to be around. And and Sean knows that. He doesn't care. They're like a, a bit of a team. But one thing where Sean has maybe occasionally just come a little bit unstuck is that he shows that bit lack of aggression. I don't know if it's because he thinks he's got Sam on the outside and Sam will do the bit of work for him or whatever. But if Sean can fucking boost his aggression up and have Sam on the outside. And if they can work out a few little tricks to distract the ref and all that sort of shit, I mean, there's nothing I or the commissioner can do about it. It's about the ref counting to three. And if the ref doesn't see it, he doesn't see it. And that's the thing about wrestling, you know, that's why it's so chaotic and crazy and you can never tell what's going to happen because in wrestling, we let this shit slide. And I think that that though, those two could really really do something they just need to tidy their act up a bit and get a little bit more aggression involved i'm not talking about winning heavyweight championships here but i think that they could fucking definitely steal a few victories definitely look at a limitless title but then you gotta go for furio which is obviously a mammoth task but if they two against one it potentially potentially they could i don't know i also don't know what this thing with the nlp is but if they're gonna do anything with the nlp They've got to ramp up their aggression or Sean's got to ramp up his aggression to fucking 20 because we've wrestled the NLP many times. We've lost, we've won a few, but one thing that the NLP always bring is total 100% aggression. And if you're going to be fucking coming out and interrupting their matches and, you know, starting to try and fucking tug on their fucking strings a little bit, you really need to be prepared to go in there and fight. You can't be fucking around with them because they will fucking fight you. So I think that those two have got real potential to to get somewhere. It's just there needs to be a little bit more aggression. Less arrogance, more aggression, I think, would do them the world of good. What, what do you think? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, 100%. When you look at the year that Sean Stone has had, he's been the rising star of the Falling Star Wrestling Academy. He was handpicked by Johnny Storm to wrestle him. He got DQ victory over Furio, who's the current Falling Star Wrestling Limitless Champion. He tagged with the Dark Wolf against the actual Falling Star Wrestling Champion, Callie Gray. He's done some amazing stuff in that sort of 365 days, because when I think about this time last year, I thought we, I, well, I think we were talking in this kind of regard to the likes of Robbie Lewis. Now, unfortunately, Robbie's momentum has slowed down a little bit or it's chugging along, whereas Sean Stone has come in. He's got that manager in Samuel Bloody Wakefield. He's managed to squeeze himself into these little programs, these little storylines, and he's getting noticed, which is the most important thing in wrestling. He's doing what Tommy Lawrence is doing and he is getting noticed. No other Falling Star Wrestling Academy member has a manager or a personal referee or just somebody on the outside that's got their best interests at heart, whether that's in a devious manner or whether that's in a a clean cut manner. But Sean Stone has 
Samuel Bloody Wakefield and Samuel Bloody Wakefield is really pushing Sean Stone up because as soon as they come out people are jeering him people are booing him and people are taking notice of Sean Stone and that's elevating him up the roster because his first match in Falling Star Wrestling was just in a big mishmash Survivor Series match and he got in there and he got killed by the Pitbulls to now where he's getting in these high profile matches he's opening up shows he's having high key rivalries whether it be with the likes of us whether it be with Furio whether it be with with Alex Miller and things like that, but he's getting noticed. So I have to say that 2023 could be the year of Sean Stone. But like you said there, Jimmy, he's going to have to amp things up because as much as you can have that mouthpiece on the outside, as much as you can have the wrestling skills in the middle of the ring to back that up and somebody on the outside looking after your ass as well, if you're going to take it to the likes of the NLP, and I'm just echoing what you said there, Jim, if you're going to take it to Mitch Basher, you're going to take it to Crowley, you really have to take it. I don't know what Sean Stone's got up his sleeve, but I know he is a crafty bugger. Does he have a giant that's going to come? out with him? Does he have something under, hidden under the ring? Does he have some sort of loophole that he's managed to get a hold of in the Falling Star Wrestling rule book? We don't know what he's going to do, but it's quite exciting to figure out how he's going to get his way around that because he has gone out there and he's pissed off so many people. He's pissed off Furio. He's pissed off the disaster artist. He's pissed off Alex Miller. I'm sure he's pissed off a lot of people in the academy as well. And now he's come out and he's interrupted a match featuring Crowley, you know, the creature from the swamp, one half of the NLP, and he's pissed him off. And I guess by proxy, he's now pissed Mitch Basher off. How is he going to be able to get through this year without his skull being crushed in by the likes of the NLP, by the likes of Furio, by the likes of, I don't know, maybe even Dark Wolf because they lost that match and I'm sure Dark Wolf's not going to take that lying down very easy. So there's a lot of questions circling around Sean Stone. There's a lot of what ifs, there's a lot of what could be, but I guess that's what this podcast is about. We're talking about things and people and where they could go over the next year. And when you think about someone like Sean Stone, it could be anywhere, really. One thing I just wanted to add, obviously, before we move on from the Sean Stone, Samuel Bloody Wakefield type conversation, is something, it was funny, at the Christmas show, like Samuel Wakefield, I don't often talk to him. I try and avoid him because he irritates me. But he came up to me, I think it was after the show, just before he left. He said, you need to watch out, Jimmy, because I'll be taking your trainees away from you. And I was, and I was thinking, what do you mean taking my trainees away from me? So I'm, oh, fucking, I've been having a little bit of a thing, and I'm a little, it's just a little bit cryptic, a little bit confused by what he said. I don't know if he's going to be opening a fucking wrestling school. I have no idea. He can't wrestle. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he meant, but I, it, it's pretty cryptic. So there might be something in, in that sentence. I don't know, but we'll see, I suppose. I mean, he talks a lot and he talks a lot out of his arsehole. So he could just be doing that just to wind you up. But so so he said he's going to take some of your trainees or he's going to take over. What he, he said, I'm going to be taking your trainees, mate. And I sort of was like, I'm thinking, you know, what, taking them where? Taking them down the pub? What, where you taking them? I don't know. I don't know if he's lo- in the back lobbying to try and get a little bit of a harem going. I have no idea. I have no idea what he meant by that. I did ask him, but he just sort of, with his typical Samuel Bloody Wakefield fucking annoying fucking face, gave me a sly wink and got in his car and fucked off. So I don't know. He just just said a little cryptic deal there. So I have no idea what it's about, but I endeavour to say we'll, we'll find out. But very odd thing to say, and and the way he said it was quite uncomfortable. So 
I don't know. I just hope he hasn't been trying to fucking brainwash people because he obviously did it to Sean. They didn't know each other before falling star wrestling. So they got together somehow. I don't know what conversations were had. I don't know what was promised. But Samuel Bloody Wakefield, like you said, he's a crafty bastard. And he's got the definitely got the gift of the gab. I have no fucking idea. But the only way you're ever going to find out is by coming at the shows and seeing what happens. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, when I think of all of the members of the Falling Star Wrestling Academy, just off the top of my head, we've got we've got JJ King, we've got Robbie Lewis, we've got Alex Miller, we've got Ollie Cole, we've got the BCB, we've got all of those guys just kicking around. And I'm pretty sure every time Samuel Bloody Wakefield comes into the dressing room, there's this exhaustible groan that goes throughout the academy. And I'm just thinking, who is going to be... Who's going to be suckered in to, to to joining or fighting in his corner? I just can't imagine anyone doing. So I just think he's winding you up there, Jim. He's getting you thinking. He's getting you to talk about him on the podcast because that's why he loves attention, doesn't he? He's this Essex prick that just goes into the ring and just loves the adulation of the fans, even though they just hate him very much. So I think he's just winding you up a little bit, Jim. Yeah, he's an attention whore, and like I said, boos are like cheers to Samuel Bloody Wakefield. The more you boo him, the more he loves it. He doesn't like the fucking fans here. He doesn't like being here. He doesn't like me. He, he's here purely just to cause fucking pain and chaos. But he it makes for an entertaining uh, show. And I, as an owner of a professional wrestling company and as an owner of a company that puts on shows, I'm here to put on the most entertaining show I can. So that's why I allow people like Samuel Bloody Wakefield to hang around because at the end of the day, it gives the crowd someone to hate and the crowd need a good villain. But in my personal life, if I had fucking, if, if I saw him across the fucking street, I'd try and throw a rock at him. I mean, I fucking hate that guy. I don't like Sean Stone very much either. I don't like either of them. So it's not the fact I like these fucking idiots. It's the fact that, that people are interested in them and I'm not going to take that entertainment value away from the show. Yeah, most definitely. You are a booker that doesn't discriminate. You want to give people a chance to prove themselves. And yeah, in this little game of professional wrestling, we like good guys. We like bad guys. And if it was all just good guys, then I'm sure the crowd wouldn't get into it as much. They love to boo people. And Samuel Bloody Wakefield is somebody that they love to boo. And I love to hear those boos coming through. But there's one person I want to talk about right now, Jim, who I feel like every year, every time we round up a year or look ahead to a year, We always say it's going to be the year of this person. The person I'm talking about is Jack Landers. He's had quite an up and down 2022, sort of riddled with injuries. And then we had that big angle there at Watlington when his best mate, Jaden Scar, turned his back on him. But I think Jack, towards the end of the year, started to get much more momentum about him. What do you reckon his 2023 is going to be? Um, For falling star wrestling, I mean, the sky's the limit for the guy. I think he's got some unfinished business with Jaden Scar. I mean, obviously they're one apiece now in terms of victories. I don't think I don't think in Jack's mind and in Jaden's mind they're going to stop until they find out who the better man is. So there's a rubber match there to look forward to in 2023. I don't know what they want to do. I don't know when they want to do it or how, but I just think that there'll be that rubber match because it's like in everything in wrestling and most things in life are done in threes. So even though Jack's a really good level-headed guy outside the ring and Jaden is Jaden's Jaden at the moment, one thing they both share is pride in their work. And I know Jaden is a cheating bastard, 
but he still takes pride in that fact. He'll still want that extra victory over Jack. He'll still want to say, ha-ha, fuck you, 2-1. And I know that and I know that Jack will want to say the same thing. But I don't think they'll be able to move on until they find out who the better man is in that one. But after that, and after that settled, because in the end, you can't fight the same person forever. Once once that's settled, I think Jack Landers is going to do really well, not just in Fallen Star Wrestling, but for other promotions. I mean, he realistically, he should be booked everywhere. Realistically, he should be in the fucking WWE, NXT, or something like that. Because he is, not only is he an amazing high flyer, he's an amazing wrestler too. And he's got a certain style and a certain technique, which no one else seems to have. There's a flair there, which just makes Jack Landers totally unique. I think he's got an amazing 2023 ahead of him. Hopefully, fingers crossed, his wrist and finger and thumb holds out. Like we've always said, I think we're just going to say the same as we said last year, the sky's the limit, but he has had a rough start to the year because he hurt himself. If he stays fit, stays healthy, stays focused, the world's his oyster. But in terms of Jaden Scar, I do think that there's that hate and there's that pride between them where they just need that rubber match to fucking see who's the best. And to answer your question, Jack's 2023 in Fallen Star Wrestling and in any other promotion that wants to use him, the possibilities are endless for the man. He's fucking superb. Yeah, he's amazing. What Heavery does in the ring always astounds me. But going back to the rivalry that he's got with Jaden Scar, I think the sooner that is over, the sooner both of them can go out and do their own thing. But... I just don't know how it's going to play out. There's a couple of different scenarios that run through my mind. If you go down the Jack Landers route and you say, okay, they have their third match. Jack comes out on top. He wins 2-1. Jaden flips his lid and then goes off onto different things and maybe just causes a lot of chaos in Falling Star Wrestling. But I would think that Jack, having come out on top with his momentum heading into 2023, I could really see him pushing for facing Callie Gray. And I can imagine that being an amazing match for the Falling Star Wrestling Championship. And Jack of course, a former Limitless champion, a former tag team champion. He could possibly in 2023 be the second ever Grand Slam champion because Jimmy Starr, you of course are the only Grand Slam champion in Falling Star Wrestling, having held the Limitless title, the tag team titles and the Falling Star Wrestling championship. So Jack Landers coming through and grabbing that title in 2023 would be an amazing thing. But on the flip side, just imagine what would happen to Jaden Scar if he manages to get this second victory over Jack Landers. He got the first one by making Jack's mum throw in the towel. The second one he wasn't so lucky on. But this third one, if he goes through and the arrogance that he's got right now, he's just got this aura about him. We were talking about Samuel Bloody Wakefield and people love to boo Samuel Wakefield. People absolutely despise Jaden Scar right now. He's getting some major heat, especially in the matches that he's having, which are always really good as as bad as it is to say, because he's such a hateful person with what he's done to Jack Landers, but he's getting some good heat. And if he goes on to defeat Jack Landers in this third match, the sky's the limit for him. But of course he is a former falling star wrestling heavyweight champion as well. Two time, the only two time falling star wrestling heavyweight champion. So you got both of these guys here who are just going to go at each other in 2023 and they can't last the whole year. Surely like it has to be, it has to be over in at least January or February because I can just see these guys just interrupting each matches and attacking each other from behind just throughout the whole entire year until they can get to that point where they can just have this big, 
blow-off match because they're not going to be able to get much else done because I can just see in their minds that they're focused on one another. They just want to get that victory. But if that third match is somewhere down the line, how are they going to contend seeing each other in the locker room and seeing each other have matches, it's just going to be all out chaos. We're going to have to get extra security and we're going to have to get the commissioner in there to lay down the law because they could go wild, right? Totally. It could be total chaos. I mean, there's anytime there's something personal involving someone's family, involving someone's, you know, mum and attacking someone's dad, Jaden Sky has, he's done everything he possibly can to try and psychologically break Jack Landers. And I think at one point he nearly did, but Jack come out of it and that win at the Christmas show for him was huge. He really needed that. Like Jack Landers really needed that. And I think it's a question of the rubber match is more about, and it, and it will affect falling star wrestling a lot as well. What the outcome is, because if Jack Landers was to win the rubber match, it would inspire him, fill him with confidence because his confidence is going to go sky high, but in a positive way. If fucking Jaden wins, the arrogance that that, I mean, we think we've got an arrogant Jaden Scar now. If he beats Jack Landers, if he beats one of the best high flyers and probably best potential talents in the country, if he beats him, his arrogance is going to be off the fucking charts. It's going to be almost unbearable, unbearable for the crowd, unbearable for us in the back. But Fuck it, we got to have him because, again, he puts bums on seats and people despise the motherfucker. So it's, it's going to be exceptionally interesting. But the positive outcome of Jack winning is that huge boost in confidence. The negative of Jaden Scar winning is just that boost in arrogance. And the last thing we fucking need is for that man to be more fucking arrogant. That is the last thing we need. It's the last thing I need. The last thing Robbie Reed needs is having to deal with that fucker. Well, if he beats Jack Landers, it'll be a nightmare. What happens to Jack if he loses that rubber match as well? What's his psychological state going in there? Because I think he's got so much confidence in his own ability and he knows what he can do. And I think he knows deep down in his heart of hearts, he's younger, he's fitter, he's stronger, he's more athletic, and he's better than Jaden Scar. But if Jaden manages to... to clasping that chicken wing or he hits that curb stomp on something and Jack loses. What's that going to do to to Jack's mental state? Because we've talked about it time and time again. Jack is still a young guy. He hasn't even broken 20 years of age, even though he's been wrestling for quite some time. He knows what to do in the middle of the ring, but we've also talked about his kind of emotional maturity as well. I don't know what that would do to Jack. Do you have any kind of insight as to into Jack's mindset at all. I, I, don't, I don't think he'd quit wrestling or anything like that, but I think, yeah, it would take a huge knock on his confidence. I think Jack is maturing. I think that he, he, him hurting his hand, I'm not saying it's a good thing for, in any way, shape or form, but I think it's made him rethink his style a little bit more. Jack can do anything in that ring. The shit he can do is mind-blowing, but... To beat Jaden Scar, you don't need to be doing that shit because there's so much room for error. That's right why they call those moves high-risk moves. Not just high-risk in the sense that you hurt, you could hurt yourself. The high-risk in the sense that they take time and fucking you, you've got a wrestler with the cunning of Jaden Scar. You're probably not going to hit those kind of fucking moves on him, those big twirly world moves, because Jaden Scar will spot him. And again, the fact that they were a tag team together... 
He knows how Jack wrestles. He knows that Jack can do anything. But the th- also the thing about Jack is he's young, strong. He's in shape, like you said. He doesn't, when he's wrestling Jaden Scar, I think what he needs to do is just not knock the flips on the hedge, but he needs to think again more aggressively or more tactically. How can I beat this motherfucker? Because he's smart. And also one thing about Jaden Scar is his intensity. He's so intense. Whenever he hits you with a move, whether it be a disaster kick or whatever, a curb stomp or when he puts that chicken wing in, he's putting absolutely everything into it. So there's this intensity and aggression that Jaden Scar has got, which Jack Landers hasn't got. Jack Landers is a fantastic wrestler, but has he got the intensity and the aggression of Jaden Scar? No, not he, he hasn't. Wrestling sometimes doesn't matter. It's the psychology. It's the way you think. It's the way when you're in there, you fucking think on your feet. And Jane Scar is just that little bit quicker off the mark when it comes to that sort of shit. So it's more about cunning. It's more about it's more about intelligence. It's more about intensity and aggression. That's the way Jack Hammer is gonna, in my opinion, and this is just like an analysis. But that's how he's gonna beat Jaden Scar. He isn't gonna do it with a fucking shooting star press. He's gonna do it by kicking him straight in the fucking head and keep kicking him until he fucking doesn't move anymore. That's the way that, that, that someone like Jack Landers is going to beat Jaden Sky. He's got to fucking beat him at his own game, so to speak. To me, that seems like it's going to be the only way. I may be wrong, though. What do I know? Well, something we're going to look forward to in 2023, the saga of Jack Landers versus Jaden Scar. I can't wait to see that third match. I just hope it comes very soon and we get to kind of delve into that whole story there. But we mentioned a few times in this podcast about champions. Falling Star Wrestling, of course, has three different championships. We've got the Falling Star Wrestling Championship. We've got the Falling Star Wrestling Limitless Championship. And we've also got the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Now, we went into 2023 with three different champions. We've got Cali Gray. He is still the Falling Star Wrestling champion. We've got The Sound. They are currently the tag team champions, but we also have Furio as the Limitless champion. We've talked about Furio quite a lot on this podcast. Is 2023 going to be the year of the vampire, Jim? I just think he's unbeatable at the moment. I think I think he's firing on all cylinders. Like When, when you're a pro wrestler, when you really hit your stride is when you've been in the business about 10 years. It sounds like a long time, I know, but that's when you absolutely know the job. Any situation you get put in, you could probably work out a way to to make it work. Furio has got confidence. He's fucking got this supernatural ability to just just take these fucking awful knocks and still get up. He's strong. He's fast. He's, he's also methodical. He's a great thinker in that ring. But he is, to me, at the moment, totally unbeatable. I cannot see a, st- a FSW superstar, as good as they are, being able to take that belt off him. I just don't know how they could do it. I, I, honestly, I can't put much analysis on this one. I can't say, oh, what would happen if Zazai wrestled Vero? What would they do? They would probably get their fucking head kicked in because this man is just... Fucking unbeatable. It's frightening to watch. It's genuinely frightening to watch because he's got this rage inside of him now. I don't know, we spoke about it a little bit with Tommy Lawrence, but like Furio has almost got this supernatural rage. He's almost like he has been possessed by some kind of fucking demon. And he he just will not fucking stop. 
his agenda is just total violence. And I can't see anyone taking that bell off of him. I think he's going to have that for a very long time. I think he's literally going to have to fucking drop that in the middle of the ring one day if he doesn't want it because he can't be asked to carry it around anymore because I just can't see anyone beating him. I did, Couldn't you? I mean, fuck, you, you see what he's done the last year. He kicked the shit out of everyone. I mean, he just fucking just... After he won that belt, that was it. He's done. Fucking, he turned, just turned into this fucking thing, this being. Yeah, there was a few moments in 2022 where I sat up and thought, oh my God, what the hell is Furio doing right now? One of them was when he faced you in one-on-one competition and you're a double-hard bastard, you don't like to give up. And he was just beating the crap out of you. And you're, you're no slouch, you're a veteran of the ring, veteran of the ring, and you can go. I know you're my tag team partner, we're in there together back to back, but you wasn't, you was alone in that ring and Furio just, he just slaughtered you basically oh he decimated me and i'll tell you this he he fucking killed me i was i was nothing to him and you're right i and the thing about it is when i was in the ring with him and this is something i never feel with anyone else no matter who i'm facing especially when we're tagging but even back in the day when i was in sync when i was singles all through my wrestling career whoever i faced i've always got in that ring with confidence right okay i'm here now i've got a fucking job to do i'm going to give it my all and i'm going to do it and once i've got through that curtain it's dumb jimmy star i've got that persona i fucking i'll come out and no one will take me out the minute i saw i had furio fucking i was wrestling furio that day i I was shit i genuinely fucking terrified and then when i get in the ring and i look him and i just see that fucking look in his in his twisted crazy looking eyes and i just see that there's nothing there but pure rage i took it scared the shit out of me i'd lost that match before the bell started i was fucked and yeah he kicked the living shit out of me the only thing i can say is that i i I just didn't want to be i just didn't want to be knocked out there was something i had some sort of weird pride thing so i wouldn't stay down but i should have done because i wasn't fucking well for for a couple of weeks afterwards, he really did do a proper number on me. And he is a dangerous motherfucker. And you're right. I'm no starch. Even though I'm getting older and bigger, I can still fucking go. And that is an example of me losing my confidence and being terrified staring across the ring from that man. I knew I was done before I even started. And I think that's I think that's the way he wins a lot of his matches, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that match back. I wasn't out of ringside watching it, but I think you just kept getting up because he'd won quite a few of his matches, Furio. He'd won quite a few of his matches, kicking people in the head, and then just they were just knocked out clean, out cold on the floor. And yeah, like you said, whether it was just this pride or stupidity, I don't know what it was going on in your gut that evening, but he just kept kicking you in the head, but you just kept getting back up, giving me more, kicking you in the head, getting up, kicking you in the head until finally he just had to pin you because you wouldn't have stayed down. He probably would have murdered you in the middle of that ring. And that was the first time that I sat up and took notice of Furio in 2022. The other time was he was wrestling Sean Stone in Outwells for the Limitless title. And Sean Stone did the whole Eddie Guerrero thing, distract the ref, throw in the chair, smack it on the floor and go on the floor and pretend to be hurt, that whole shtick. And then Furio just turns around and I don't know if he knew where the camera was or anything like that, but he just turned his head and he had this nihilistic, this sadistic, this crazy twisted smile 
and he just turned around and he walloped Sean Stone across the back with that steel chair. And not for one single second did he flinch, did he even second guess himself thinking, I'm going to ruin this guy's back. He was just like, I will destroy this guy. This guy thinks he can outplay me. This guy thinks he can beat me and take my title. No way. No, sir. I'm just going to smash him with this weapon that I have in my hand and I'm going to enjoy doing it. And that's what he has been doing. He's been enjoying hurting people. And that's the scariest thing about Furio. When you've got somebody in there who can go, somebody in there who's got an incredible physique, a great tank inside him, a great mind for wrestling, somebody who's sick and twisted and just does not care about hurting people. That is a very dangerous combination. And Furo in 2023, the only way that I can see him losing that belt is if the numbers are against him. If it's like some sort of I don't know, 10-man match and nine people or eight people take Furo outside while somebody pins somebody else in the middle of the ring and he has no way of getting into that ring. But even then, I can just see him doing some sort of crazy spell, teleportation, I don't know, makes the lights go out so nobody can see. And then he somehow manages to escape this nine-on-one match with the Falling Star Wrestling Limitless Championship in his hand. I just... He's got such a way with his appearance. He's got such a way with the way he moves in the middle of the ring. He's got such dangerous feet. He's got such dangerous hands. And that mist as well, that is a major factor that has become apparent in 2022. It just comes from nowhere. And I'm sure he's going to utilize it in 2023. He's going to hang on to that belt until he literally does not want that belt anymore. And that's a scary thing. That's very scary, isn't it? I, I, I just, whoever beats Furio, if they do, whoever gets in the ring and actually beats Furio, and I don't mean by DQ or like you say, if it's a full way or a free way and someone else gets pinned and they get it that way, whoever next beats Furio deserves a title shot, the FSW heavyweight title as well, because, I mean, to beat that man, you need to be something special. And I would want that someone special to have a crack at the FSW heavyweight title. And talking about the FSW heavyweight title, you know, honestly, I think Callie Gray is, as it stands at the moment, has been our best champion. I don't think we've had such a fighting champion. This guy is so impressive. He's kept hold of that belt. I know um, it's shit to say because he, you know, I know one of, the, one of the contenders was yourself, and obviously I'd have loved you to have won it. But he just does not fucking know when to stop. He's got that extra gear that a lot of people don't have. But every match he ever has seems to be so grueling. Poor Carly Gray can't seem to ever get the job done quickly. It seems always to be a sort of 15, 20 minute, 25 minute drag out fucking row. And he somehow with skill, determination, guts and fucking and a toughness that is very rarely matched. He seems to come out with the title, but it never seems to be fucking easy, does it? He is a fighting champion. I'm so impressed. So fucking impressed. Yeah, it's not as if you're feeding him nobodies, is it? You've put him in there, or I say you, I mean Falling Star Wrestling as a company, the commissioner, Robbie Reed. It's not as if we've seen Cali Gray become the Falling Star Wrestling champion, and then every event afterwards, it's been up against up-and-coming guys. 
He's been put up in there against former champions. He's been put in there against people that have a long standing within Falling Star Wrestling. I'm trying not to big myself up too much here, but people that can go, people who've got experience, people who've got tenacity, people who've got the will and determination to go in there and try and take that championship off him. But nobody has just yet. And I'm sure there's going to be many more contenders in 2023. And I think I do actually agree with you on there. We have had some incredible Falling Star Wrestling champions. I think about the first reign that, that Jaden Scar had, he was almost doing this thing where he was going up against all and any contenders. But the sad thing about Jaden Scar was he became champion in, what was it, 2019? And then we went into 2020 with the whole COVID-19 pandemic thing, the lockdowns, the shutdowns. He had to get stripped of that title because of the rules in the Falling Star Wrestling handbook there. So he never got that opportunity to really lead that locker room and take that Falling Star Wrestling championship to where he wanted it to go. And then the person that took the belt off of him afterwards was C.W. Davies. Again, unfortunately, he had to relinquish the title to go off and do other things. Rewinding back a little bit further than that, we had Danny Boy Collins. Again, he had that title for a long time, but he wasn't the kind of person that was around at each Westland show. He wasn't the person at the Outwells. He wasn't at the, the, at the Heachams, the Swanton Morleys, the Dockings. He would be there at Linsport defending that title and he would do very well with it. But unfortunately, injury and sickness got caught up with him as well. So I have to agree with you there, Jim. I think Callie Gray has and will be possibly one of the best Falling Star Wrestling champions in Falling Star Wrestling history. I mean, I, I, I remember when I had the title and obviously I was really proud to have that title. I wrestled the bulk. I wrestled King Kendo. I, I beat some good people. I beat Jonathan Windsor once. He was the one who ended up taking the title off of me. But, and I bled and I fucking sweated and Jesus Christ, did I bleed. And for that title, and I fought hard. But I have to say, being the champion is it's an honour, and it is most definitely an honour, and it's great, and it's something that you want to be in, you aspire to be. But when you have that belt, it, it, there's so much pressure. I was a fighting champion, and I wanted to wrestle, and I wanted to wrestle the best guys who were around. I was cheated out of the title by Matt. He turned on me and fucked me over and hit me with a chair, and Jonathan Windsor eventually took the belt off me. So I lost it in a bit of an unfair way, but it is what it is. It's wrestling. So like we said earlier on, if, if a ref doesn't see it, it hasn't happened. But the point I'm trying to make is I tried to be a fighting champion. I did a half-decent job. But Callie Gray is absolutely just fucking stealing it from me, stealing it from everyone. And the quality of the matches that he's having, I mean, obviously the main event goes on last. And every time we've put him on a show, we can just guarantee the crowd that you're at least going to see fucking one spectacular match tonight. And that's Callie Gray. Even if we all shit the bed, Callie Gray, is, we, I just don't think he's capable of doing it. His matches are so good. And he's got such a variety of moves and he's so he wrestles so different to everyone else. The variation there with the moves and the kicks and the knees and the strikes and all these different things. He's just so clever when he's in that ring. I just and yeah, but he likes to fight hard. He like he likes to fight from underneath. I suppose he's, he's quite small in terms of height. So he has to fight from underneath. He's gonna be wrestling people who are quite a bit bigger than him. So it's never gonna be a two-minute job, I suppose, for Cali Gray. He's always gonna have to fight for it. That's what makes him such a great Fallen Star Wrestling champion. And like I said, the best so far, most definitely the best in terms of in terms of match quality and in terms of tenacity and dedication. He is what 
the FSW heavyweight belt exemplifies. He he definitely wears a crown for that one. And I don't know whether, and I don't know, and I can't see who will take the title off of him. He needs some bad guys to wrestle. We don't know what's going to be happening with Cali Gray in 2023, but we do know he's going to be on our shows and we do know he's going to be defending that title. So unless someone's lucky and Cali's concentration slips, again, just whoever's going to try and wrestle him, make sure you bring your A-plus game because he always does. He, he, he never, He's never a fucking slouch, never. Yeah, I can speak from experience. Being in the ring with him, it was a tough job. He is firing on all cylinders. He is on the next level, no pun intended there. And speaking of people who are pretty much kind of on the, on, on the up and up right now, they are the current Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Champions as much as I hate talking about them, as much as I hate giving them airtime and exposure on the Falling Star Wrestling podcast, we've been speaking about all the different champions within Falling Star Wrestling. So I guess we just have to quietly and quickly mention The Sound. The Sound captured the Falling Star Wrestling tag team titles in the fatal four-way TLC match at Eye of the Tiger. We were a part of that match. The Pitbulls were a part of that match. The NLP were a part of that match. They went in as champions, but The Sound, they left as the the champions and I have to say fair to them they have been doing what Cali Gray has been doing and they've been putting their belts on the line they've been taking on all challengers they even took on two challengers two different teams at the Christmas bash in that Christmas bash match Jimmy you and I were in that match we had Tommy and Ollie as well but the sound by hook or by crook managed to keep hold of those falling star wrestling tag team champions but these guys out of all of the champions we've been talking about these ones are the, um, to say, the ropiest champions. I can see these guys slipping up with their arrogance because that's what those titles have really brought to that crew. The three of them, we've got Brody Knox, we've got George Rashwood, and we've got Bobby Adams there. And their arrogance is just rising and rising. And I think that is going to be the banana peel that they slip on because they're going to get too arrogant and they're going to take on a challenge that they can't meet. I don't know when it's going to be, and I would love for for it to be me and you, Jimmy, is the disaster. Because- no, it's going to be. This is our year. This is TDA's year. I mean, I, I I know how much you want these belts, and I genuinely want these belts too. I love tagging with you, and I love getting in the ring with guys who aren't as experienced as us and having cool little matches and stuff like that. But we have had some barn burners against the NLP and against the Pitbulls. We've been put through tables. We've been hit with chairs. We've been hit with canes. We've been pretty much fucking decimated by every single bit of furniture you can imagine in 2022 and we fought really hard and i think that we've been unlucky on several occasions over the past couple of years and i think there's definitely opportunities there and we probably should have, have won the titles it's been down to either referees decisions or cheating that we haven't but that's okay i mean you know we've never sat on the podcast and moaned about it again Wrestling's wrestling. If the ref doesn't see it, it hasn't happened. And that's as simple as that. I know the game. I've been in it for fucking over 20 years. But the fact is, I totally agree with what you just said about the sound. I think that the only one really in that crew who has actually, well, is genuinely hard work, and we obviously know because we wrestled him, is Bobby Adams. He knows how to fight. And he is the backbone of that team. And this is the thing. People might not realize this when they watch it, but watch Bobby Adams. That motherfucker can fight. It's hard. And he's the reason 
that they've won a lot of their matches. Even if it's by cheating, he's the one who's got in there and fucking made sure that those they've got their belts back. So I think if someone can take out Bobby Adams, I don't think Rashwood would be the... I mean, I think Rashwood might be... He's exceptionally cunning and arrogant, a slippery bastard, so he might be able to get away in some way, shape or form. But I think if you can take Bobby Adams out and get to Rashwood... And I think that's got to be our plan as we go forward. If we get another opportunity at those belts, take Bobby Adams out, get rid of him, just really make sure he isn't coming back in that ring. And once we got Rashwood, I think we can take him. But Bobby Adams is the backbone of that team. And George Rashwood is the mouthpiece. And, you know, it, that that is just as when we sit backstage and listen to his promos or we're in the ring and we listen to him talk fucking shit to us, it gets our back up. And I... And, when you go into a match angry with your back up and all pissed off, you make mistakes. You know, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. He knows exactly the effect he has on people. He's a master of psychology, a master of manipulation. And he's got Bobby Adams with him, who's an amazing wrestler. And then, of course, we can't forget Brody Knox. Brody Knox is, is a smart, intelligent girl. Obviously, she's George Rashford's girlfriend. She knows the game. She's out there to, again, be a distraction cause trouble the whole team is based around trying to make things as fucking easy as possible for themselves and as hard as possible for their opponents and that's why the three of them are there they're a very very good tag team i'm not taking anything away from them but i do think 80 percent of that wrestling talent comes from bobby adams if we can take him out we can take Rashwood out. Brody Knox wouldn't, wouldn't be a problem to take out either. Not that I'm advocating smashing fucking women about, but if she keeps grabbing our feet and fucking around and getting in the ring and wanting to be involved, I'm taking a new stance on that. If she wants to get in that ring and between those fucking four ropes, then she obviously wants to fucking roll around. She? she obviously wants a row. I think we just got to take maybe a little bit of a different attitude towards our matches with them. It's not the two of them. It's fucking Bobby Adams. We need to get rid of him. Yeah, the Sound are a collective and they are very good at their individual jobs, as you alluded to there, Jim. So I think you can't approach them like you would approach any other team, like you would approach a traditional tag team match. You have to approach them in such a different way. And I think maybe tactically, we've always approached them with the fact that George Rashwood is such an arrogant piece of work that we just want to go in there and just batter him. And we always forget about Bobby Adams. We always forget about Brody Knox. And that's probably where our downfall comes about. So I think it's really difficult to to judge how the sound are going to come out that evening. And that's what's made them a really good tag team. And that's what's made them the tag team champions. Brody Knox, for all that she's done, and you mentioned it there, she's grabbed legs, she's punch people in the balls you've got to yeah, give her she's fallen through table she's taken yeah, her exactly yeah, she's taken her licks she's been slapped she's been kicked she's had her head bust open she's taken her licks it's not like she's going out there and doing nothing and just standing around looking pretty she's fucking getting stuck in and she's she has taken her lumps to be fair to her but again she, like you said she's part of that fucking team she's so much more than what she appears to be and she knows it she goes out there and she pretends to be the pretty valet who hangs around and makes arrogant faces at the crowd and she knows she's better than them blah 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 all that sort of shit but no she's more than that she's fucking she's a huge part of why they've been winning matches yeah most definitely i think just sometimes when the occasion pops up because me and you jim we've had what now maybe 
four chances at the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team titles. I think the first time was when we wrestled the NLP at the Lynn Sports Show. We came up behind on that one, and that was due to cheating on the NLP's behalf there. And then we faced them again. And we had a referee's decision that didn't quite go our way. We fast forward again to Eye of the Tiger. That was another tag team championship opportunity. And we maybe took, or I did, maybe took a risk that was maybe too much for the match. And then we got outsmarted by the sound and they grabbed the belts there. And then again at the Christmas bash match, the sound came out on top. So you can't take anything away from them. But I just feel like we haven't quite got the formula down. We need to put our heads together and whatever the match is going to be, whenever the match is going to be. And I don't mind whether the commissioner says you've had your title shot and you've not quite got there, get to the back of the line. I don't mind getting to the back of the line because that gives us more opportunity to work together as a tag team to really be able to work on our formula for winning because maybe that's dropped off a little bit. But I know it's there between me and you, Jim. We're not the disaster artists just because they're two random guys thrown together. It's because we've got a bond. We've got a chemistry. We've got a, a very similar mindset in the way that we like to go out there and wrestle. And if we can just do that and be jealous and firing on all cylinders there's no way that we can't take away those tag team titles right Jim? No most definitely and as a tag team we've beaten them all at some point we've beaten them all it's just not been at the right time the thing about it is I think because we've been wrestling a lot of the newer guys and whatnot we've lost a little bit of our aggression because we're, we're in there and we're actually doing a lot of wrestling and we know that if we're going to wrestle some guys who are in the academy we're probably going to come out on top so we have a bit of fun maybe make a few mistakes, maybe fucking we get a bit of a kick or something goes somewhere along the line. But we're wrestling the BCB and we're wrestling the Ollie Coltrane and stuff. They're good, but we can see a lot of what they're doing coming from a mile off because of our experience. So we know that we're probably going to be okay. Even if they give us a decent match and a decent run, we know they're probably going to be okay. And even though that's good training and good, what do you call it, for our wrestling and shit like that, wrestling don't mean shit when we go up against the sound. Because even though Bobby Adams is a great wrestler, George Rashwood is a fucking master manipulator. So I don't think we've got the right aggression and the right mindset. I don't think it's got anything to do with our wrestling or our style or our teamwork. We've been a team for a long time. We know what we're doing. What it's got to do with is just our mindset. I think that, that we wrestle so many different kinds and varieties of matches and we're quite adaptable. So we get put in various different roles. But when we do get the occasional shot at the tag team titles, we're just not mentally fucking ready. And it's not about being physically ready. It's about being mentally ready. And that aggression really needs to shine through. I know you did a swanton through a lad out because you're fucking crazy. Obviously, I fell for a table in that that I got caught by Crowley and he shoved me for a table at the TLC by the Tiger. But the reason the, the sound won that match is, again, because they when everyone was out, they took their opportunity. And it's, they're so good at that. So that's where I think the disaster artists, we just need to, even if it means that we become a little bit less popular for it, even if it means that we're not the crowd pleasers we once were, once were, we need to get aggressive. I really do believe that. Okay, Jim, I think we can do it. 2023 is going to be the year of the disaster artists. Just to finish off things here, do you have any predictions in terms of what Falling Star Wrestling can achieve in 2023? I'm praying and I'm trying to expand our territory, to especially sort of as we go along in the year, to do venues that we haven't done before. So 
it's going to be a lot more work in terms of promoting and, and getting our names out there and getting in the papers and getting on the radios and various different locations in the county or not even necessarily in the county outside the county but just getting out and about and, and rambling some more fans together matches that we haven't seen before we'll bring in some new wrestlers that we haven't seen before but you know some guys that that maybe if you're a huge wrestling fan that are on the British scene, we'll get a few of those guys in just to make a little bit of difference to the talent that you see in Fall and Star Wrestling. The training school as well, I just want it to keep growing, keep growing and growing because, again, we need wrestlers. And to anyone out there who's listening to this podcast who can get to my training school on a Wednesday at Lynn Sports 7 till 9, if you can get to my training sessions and make a start in this business, if you've got the guts to walk through that door and you never know because that's what you did, that's what fucking Rashwood did, that's what Bobby Adams did, that's what Mitch Basher did, that's what Jack Landers did, that's what Crowley did, that's what Jaden Scar did, that's what Furio did. I've missed a lot of names. All those guys have come through the Fallen Star Wrestling Academy. I have done a few bits here and there, but they're Fallen Star through and through, a lot of those guys. And and you are as well. So it's possible to walk through the door as a normal dude and turn into Furio. That can happen. It has happened. It did happen, and it is happening, and it's fucking frightening. So please, anyone out there who has ever dreamed of being a professional wrestler, who has ever wanted to get in that ring and see what it's like, Please just do it. I know we always talk about New Year's resolutions and trying things that you haven't tried before, but do it. I don't. That doesn't matter if you feel like you're unfit or you can't do this or you can't do that. It doesn't matter. That's why it's called a training school. It's where we go to learn. If you can't do it, you can't do it. At least you tried. Just fucking get in there and give it a go because if you get to a point where you make a few quid from it, whether it's your career, whether it's a hobby, whatever it is, it will improve your life. And in Fallen Star Wrestling, because we're all such a big family and we talk to each other and we all pretty much get along, it's a nice, friendly environment. And who wouldn't want to be a fucking part of that? So I'm hoping the school grows. I'm hoping the shows grow. I hope we do a few different venues. I hope things get bigger. To 2023 is where we tell the rest of the country that Fallen Star Wrestling is a promotion to be fucking watched out for. We are fucking one of the best out there. If you want storytelling, family-based, fun wrestling, obviously there's a bit of an edge on it sometimes, but with stories and with arcs and with loops and with cool matches and with cool wrestlers and with guys who've come from our training school and whatnot, we put on such a good fucking show and people out there need to see and need to know that we're ready to grow now. We mean fucking business. So 2023, if I had one word, one word to describe what I expect from Falling Star Wrestling, from the wrestlers, the one word that I would want to use is growth. Growth for Falling Star Wrestling, growth for the wrestlers, growth for the uh, product, and people are going to start to notice Falling Star Wrestling. And with the fan support and with the wrestlers working hard, and kicking ass, taking fucking names, we can fucking do it. FSW's year is 2023. Let's fucking get out there and make people aware that we exist and make people aware of how fucking good we are because we are fucking good. 
and simple as that. 2023, bring it on. Falling Star Wrestling is going to kick fucking ass. And kick ass we will do, Jimmy. Thank you for joining me again today, Jimmy. And thank you, the listener, for coming along with us today. We really appreciate your support and feedback, not just on the Falling Star Wrestling podcast, but across our social media platforms and at our live shows. So thank you very much. In terms of live shows, we have four shows coming up across the next two months, all starting with New Year, New Spear coming at you on January 14th at the Wesleyan Sports and Social Club in Kings Lynn. As announced on our Facebook page, Ollie Cole gets his chance at retribution against Tommy Lawrence. Tommy's got a whole new attitude, so we'll see what side of him comes out on the 14th. Normal rules apply. Doors open at 6.30 with the show starting at 7.30. Tickets available on the door. Then one week after that, we're back for the first time in years at the Ripper Hall in docking for Academy Anarchy. The Ripper Hall is where I had my first match, so it's going to be interesting to go back where it all started for me. Saturday, 21st of January, doors 6.30, bell time 7.30, and tickets are a special price of just £5. For more information, visit our Facebook or Instagram page. Those can be found at Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, we want to hear from you. Who do you think is going to have a standout year in 2023? Is it the year of the vampire? Can Jack Landers reach new heights? What does the year hold in store for our tag team champions? Sound off in the comments and tell us your thoughts. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Happy New Year.